All right, everybody, here we go. Jimmy Palumbo Show, live or not live, from beautiful downtown Matawan, New Jersey. Poor Matawan takes a beating every week. We're not sure why. Again, it's just one of these uh, nice little towns in central New Jersey that um, that I uh, just, uh, maybe I should be doing this from my couch, not coming here to the studio. I'll leave it at that. But I have to come here because I love looking at all the beautiful Dallas Cowboys shirts that are hanging from the wall and some Green Bay Packers stuff. And yeah, you know, it's really nice to do a show and I got to stare at a Witten jersey from the Dallas Cowboys with a Deion Sanders jersey behind me. I feel like I'm getting, um, you know, like when you're getting, you're at the proctologist. That's the feeling I have right now. But anyway, um, of course, last week I had my friend Pat Volkmer on, and uh, he had a rough time uh, for the first time ever. He really got smoked. He was only out of 23 categories. He was 16 and 7. Okay, there's a lot of upsets. The pandemic threw him off for sure. And um, but I, of course, was getting one and a half to beat him. But unfortunately, I was 13 and 10, which is the best I've ever done. But uh, in the end, my buddy Pat was right. The Oscars were on. Um, I thought the show was, um, I don't know. I thought it was a little uh, boring. I didn't, I don't know. I felt like uh, some of the sets looked like you were at somebody's Elks Lodge. You know, without the glamour and all the stuff outside and the fans screaming, that's really what the, you know, uh, what the Oscars are all about. So I, um, I, I thought it was just, I didn't think the movies this year were, there's not many movies are like, oh, you know, a movie you got to see, you got to see. So, but I am glad that um, certain people won. Um, but I, I just, you know what? I was, uh, thank God there wasn't a Nick game on at the same time. That's all I got to say about that. But, um, but don't you worry if someday I am nominated for the Oscars. I will make sure that everyone in the world has to watch, especially all my fans here at the Jimmy Palumbo Show. But I also played softball again yesterday. Had a tough time. Had a tough time. I was uh, 0 for 3, made an error in the field, made an error of omission in the field on a potential double play ball. I hesitated. Then I fired across the diamond. I didn't get the guy out. It was horrible. I... uh, uh, it was a four Advil game. I had to take two Advil after the game and two Advil this morning. So that's how I judge now when you play softball, how many Advils you have. But my my swing is I'm just a little off. I don't know what's going on. It could be that I'm shot very much so. But um, I did um, I did hit one ball hard. Um, I decided to pull the ball just to see. You know, sometimes I do that just to keep the third baseman from falling asleep. Uh, I looked at the second baseman. He was sweating bullets when I got up because he knows 2,300 hit um, Johnny Trinos at the plate. But I ripped one down the third baseline. It was a nice shot, but it was foul. And But after that, I hit like a lazy fly to center. I wasn't even trying. It was just awful. And um, it was just so depressing. It just, uh, I don't know. I refuse to believe I'm 100% shot and so forth. It just can't be. You know what I mean? And I'm looking forward to playing, um, being a um, uh, a signee of the Chop Sports team on Thursdays. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to get back to on a field I'm familiar with and uh, shoot the ball around and uh, and get it going. But it was just, uh, I don't know. The good news is my the Yankees have been playing a little bit better ball. That's always fun. Um, uh, very excited about that. They're playing a little better. They won three out of four against the Indians. So I'll take that. Um, and of course. Uh, 
The Knicks were on a winning streak last week, and even into this week, they still haven't lost nine in a row. My magical Knicks, I'm convinced they're going to do well in the playoffs. Uh, I could be proven wrong, but I think the Knicks play good defense. They're, they play team basketball, and the only team they're going to lose to is a team, say like a Nets, and they got Harden and Durant, and the Knicks just don't have that kind of greatness. But if they run into one of those teams that like, oh, they got one guy who only scores like 19 a game, Knicks are going to cause them trouble. I believe that. And I also think the Knicks are, it's the same team playing every week. They don't sit many guys out like other teams do, stars and stuff like that. So I think the Knicks are going to do well. They're a four seed right now. That's right. I got Chris Gucci here behind the glass. Um, they're a four seed, but they got some tough games coming up. They may not, they may end up a six seed just yet. We'll see. But hopefully my Knicks will play well and that's fun. Um, Rutgers spring game coming up in May. I'm excited about that. They got more recruits, more transfers. I can't believe how good Rutgers football is doing with only winning three games in seven years. And even the basketball team picked up uh, a transfer, which is fun. So that's my little showbiz, little sports, little personal softball. And that's how it goes here. And, of course, now, of course, it's time for uh, the Jimmy Palumbo. We have to name this segment. What do you think we should call this? I, I call it the Jimmy Palumbo booking section. I think that's good. I mean, yeah. what, 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 what? I don't know. We would have to think of something creative over time and let it happen organic. Okay, so we're we're doing the organic thing. But if you're right if you're now. putting me on the spot to come up with a name now, not no, gonna of course, ha- not going to happen. When you put Chris on the spot, all you all you're left with is the spot. So <laughs> that's how that works. But uh, he's giving me a dirty look now. That's it. Um, uh, he may fire me now, but but the money they're paying me here, I have a four year contract. Um, That'll be funnier uh, later on in the show. Um, but, uh, of course, when I do talk about my bookings, who are we sponsored by? That's right. Absolute Eyewear. 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey. 732-326-3937. Everybody knows now Absolute Eyewear is where you go get your eyeglasses and your prescription sunglasses and non-prescription sunglasses, your safety glasses, your motorcycle glasses, glasses for the kids, contacts, eye exams. It is just a jambalaya of eyeglass stuff. Of course, the place is owned by my right center fielder, Craig, and also his sister, Janine Mashaud. And, they're, of course, it's family-owned. You go in there, they know what they're doing. Um, you know I think they're nice people and great people and a good-looking bunch. Um, you go over there, and they take care of you. It's different. They're just nice. If they if something gets screwed up, they fix it. Uh, they got glasses for every budget. They got um, especially my budget, which, which means, I mean, I could go on and on about what uh, Johnine sends to me. She just sends me glasses now. I shouldn't even bother. They're like, uh, you know, the El Cheapo sometimes. But they have them, and they're good. And sometimes I bring them over there to get them tightened up and stuff like that. They got discounts for seniors and AAA and AARP and Blue Cross Blue Shield. And um, they have uh, have all kinds of glasses. Of course, this is the Bob Shepard moment where they have Ray-Ban, Coach Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Cause. Vogue, Maui Jim sunglasses, and Costa Del Mar sunglasses. <laughs> That's, of course, the Bob Shepard section. I still haven't, I don't know, I don't know if I should do, I'm dying to do like a different announcement, maybe like a half, I do like a half Marv Keith Jackson. 
How would Keith Jackson do this? When they're done down there in Woodbridge, we'll get at it. We've got Ray-Ban, Coach Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim Sunglasses, and Casta Del Mar. We'll be right back. Or maybe a Jim Carvalis. Hello. They got Ray-Bans and Coach Ralph Lauren's over to Jimmy Choo, over to Silhouette, and he's fouled. And Vogue wants to talk it over here. Maui Jim Sunglasses, Casta Del Mar. Um, so I just did three announcers naming the brands they have. Um, if anybody gets that, I'll send you a dollar. Of course, they got uh, all kinds of things there, but they have a special. You get $100 off a complete pair of prescription eyeglasses. When you mention this podcast, the key thing is it's a complete pair, which includes frame and lenses. And also, we suggest that you bring a little picture of me from the Internet because I want to have them all over the window so they can't see out. And it looks like it's a Jimmy Palumbo store. That would be fun. They've been in business 16 years, and they're great people. Again, absolute eyewear, 732-326-3937. I love doing these long live reads because it's like part of the show. I like the bus balls, even though the owner of the network's like, Jimmy, how long are you going to go on here? <laughs> this is like, you know, they shot roots in less time. So um, that's it. That is absolute eyewear, sponsoring Jimmy's Booking. So this is a unique booking I'm going to talk about. I didn't have a big part in it, but uh, I think it's hysterical. So I booked this movie called Five Flights Up, all right? And it's with uh, Diane Keaton and Morgan Freeman. And um, I had to play a cab driver that has to drive Morgan Freeman and Diane Keaton. So the first thing they asked me was um, if I have a driver's license. I said yes. So I get to New York, and now it's the middle of the day. Fifth Avenue, okay, in 22nd Street, busy New York. They had the cameras there, but they didn't, like, stop any anything. Like, there was no, like, oh, they're shooting a movie here. People are walking by, not caring. So I had to get inside this cab. And so the guy tells me, uh, okay, you know how to drive, right? I said, yeah. So he goes, all right, drive around the block and pull up a block back, and I'm going to tell you to pull up. And he says to me, pull up in front of these um uh, um, uh, like the, uh, the, the, the tower that has the, uh, don't walk and walk thing. And I'm like, okay, so I drive away. And as I'm driving, there's no one in the car. I'm, I'm on like, now I'm on 51st street. I go around and I'm thinking I'm shooting a movie right now. And I just took off with their prop, which is a, which is a huge, uh, old yellow cab. Right. So I wait back and there's a walkie talkie in the, in the cab that they can communicate with me and like, okay, Jimmy, we're going to do a test. I'm thinking, okay, said by the pole, the, the walk and don't walk. So, all right. So I take off, and I'm in regular traffic. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a driver in traffic. And I get to the corner, and I pull up, and I think I do, like, a perfect job. I pull right in front of the pole. So uh, the guy's like, cut, cut. He comes over to me. He's like, Jimmy, Jimmy, come on, in front of the pole. I was four inches off. So I look at the guy like, hey, jerk off. I just drove in regular New York City traffic, and then I got to pull up within four inches in a car. So I got it to the spot. I go, you want me right here? He goes, yeah, right. And he kind of was like not nice about it, the first AD. I'm like, yeah, all right, bro. I'll pull, you know. So I look. I, I got an idea of my rear view, my side view mirror in the pole, and that's where he wanted me. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, four inches? How could you tell four inches? So we go back around, and I'm waiting to go. Now I'm like... Now I'm getting aggravated. So we go, I do it again. I drive around, and I go in, and I, like, nail it. I'm right at the pole. He's like, oh, that's where you want you. I'm like, yeah, okay, pal. You know, shut your mouth. 
So then I drive back to this spot, which was a block beyond. And next thing you know, um, who gets into my cab is Morgan Freeman and Diane Keaton. And they must have thought I was a real a regular cab driver, which is fine. I look like a I look like actually I look like a cabbie from like nineteen sixty seven, not a cab driver now. So um the uh, I'm sitting in the cab and I'm like, Oh my god, this is pretty cool. I mean Diane Keaton, Icon, Morgan Freeman. I just wanted to hear him talk, you know. So they're sitting back there. So I said, Hey, how you doing? Um and Diane Keaton was she was nice. She goes, Oh hi, you know. And then Morgan Freeman, nothing. I got nothing out of him. So uh, we're sitting in the cab, and um, uh, so I look back. I say, "You guys want to run? You want to run the lines?" Because I had some lines with them. Well, that wasn't a good idea. Morgan Freeman just stared at me, and Diane and Diane Keaton was like, "Yeah, sure, let's get them, let's get it off the page." So we ran the lines, blah blah blah, um, and uh, Diane Keaton was smiling. We improv a little bit, just you know that I could test to see if that was okay to improv. She had. She was holding a dog on her lap, and the dog's part of the plot line. So now we we come around and we take off, right? So I have to drive around the block and then come in, right? And then I started saying to myself, "What if I there was? What if I just took off? Because they had the plastic thing. What if I just took off with Diane Keaton? Would have been the best career move of all time. What if I just took off and like headed towards Staten Island or Jersey with Diane Keaton and Morgan? What are they going to do? They, they didn't have their cell phones on them. They wouldn't have been able to call anybody. I could have just headed out of New York saying, no, they told me to get on the Lincoln Tunnel and just drove to like a shitty bar where I grew up and be like, what are you doing? I got Diane Keaton and Morgan Freeman locked in my back of my cab. Of course, I would have been arrested, but for what? I was like, I misinterpreted it. The guy said four inches away. I thought he said take him to Woodbridge, New Jersey, uh, in Riffies. And I'm like, um, so I'm sitting there looking at them, and I drive around, and I nail the thing. Then we do the scene, and I, we had to do like eight takes, so I had to keep on driving around. So she she says to me, Diane Keaton's like, oh, you're a very good driver. I'm like, yeah, thanks, you know. And then... Um, I said, I've, I've played uh, uh, cab drivers before, but usually I get pulled. You get pulled by a, um, a cart kind of deal. And she's like, wait, you mean you're an actor? You're not a cab driver? I go, no, I'm an actor. I've been doing this 20 years. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I said, ah, how would you know? You know, I'm Jimmy. You know, she goes, oh, how's it going? And I said, I'm a big fan of you. Morgan Freeman, nothing. Couldn't get nothing out of Morgan Freeman. I was like, what am I going to do to get like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I was like, um, I thought about looking at Morgan Freeman and going, "Hey, uh, hey, Morg, I do, uh, I do voiceovers too. You know, how's it go? How's that racket going? <laughs> the the biggest voice of all time. You know, uh, I'd love to beat him out for a voiceover, but he's got a voice like Morgan Freeman. I can't. Uh, I was going to mention like Shawshank Redemption or something, but I was like, you know what? He didn't even look at me. Then I thought maybe he's doing some kind of Meisner thing or something. I just think he would, he just didn't care about Jimmy Palumbo in the front cab. Diane Keaton was sweet. And funny thing was, she hated the dog that she had on her lap because the dog was like being moving around and screwing her up. And I heard her pull up and she goes, this dog, we got six more weeks of shooting and this dog is awful. Um, I'm thinking to myself, wow. So she, I look at her and she goes, no, really, they have really trained dogs and all the dog has to do is sit on my lap. This is, that's one-on-one for a dog, you know. And I'm sitting there going, like, yeah, I know, man. Like, I was trying to defend the dog. Like, maybe the dog's in Screen Actors Guild or something like that. And then I realized the dog, who the guy who owns the dog, is probably making twice the pay I am to be on Diane Keaton's lap. 
God bless America, you know what I mean? So we go around a few times, and then I realized that Morgan Freeman just had gotten in a major accident in North Carolina where he was quite injured. And there he is, Bozo, Jimmy Flava. No one checked my license. I could have lied and said, you know, I could have had like, uh, you know, I don't know, bunch of violations on my license so we drove around and then i was two inches short one time and this first ad was like ah jimmy a little further up and i looked at him like are you kidding me i'm on fifth avenue at 1 30 in the afternoon and you want me to pull in with two inches in this cab and i got morgan freeman and diane keaton look at me like I'm, I'm, I'm an oil painting so we end up pulling around and of course you know i would say we did about 10 takes i was i was nine out of 10 which is like you know if you're shooting free throws that's very good you know and uh and afterwards diane keaton was very sweet uh thank you so much you were wonderful to work and nice improv blah 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 and um morgan freeman you know what he did he did nothing he didn't shake my hand he just walked away he just wanted nothing to do <laughs> i don't think he wanted to be inside a cab so that is my, and the movie came out. It was a cute little movie. They're adorable together, Diane Keaton and Morgan Freeman. And uh, I suggest you, I guess it's on Amazon or Netflix, but look for Jimmy the Cab Driver. They cut my scenes a little bit, but uh, I still get some funny one-liners in there about dogs pooping and stuff. I think you get a kick out of it. And that's it. That's five flights up. A Jimmy booking once again. I'm going to start, you know, some of these bookings are starting to get thin now. That's what's going to happen. Because, but I do got a story on every booking, so... We got plenty more to go, but uh, I'd like to thank Absolute Eyewear for sponsoring that segment. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, this is Sturge from Chop Sports, and I want to talk to you about a new hobby of mine, and that's real estate. Ever since we brought on our resident realtor here at Chop Sports, that's all I can think about. So we got another one. You know who's really good at this stuff? Jay Devlin of CRG Homes. Jay is out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and business is booming. Whether you're looking to relocate, buy, rent, or literally purchase property and watch your stacks get higher, Jay is the guy to do this for you. He's already in the process of helping me out right now on a possible summer home. Call Jay right now, 843-315-5913, and have yourself a chat and learn about all the perks and tell him Chop Sports sent you. My next guest coming up is actually a, a really good friend of mine, and we haven't been able to hang out as nearly as much, even though he doesn't live that far away from me. Um, and he did something, he probably doesn't even realize this. Um, as people know, I, I, was, I was friends with Artie Lang, and Artie Lang ended up being a big shot over at uh, Sirius Radio on the Howard, Howard Channels 101 and 102. And, uh, but Artie, of course, never invited me to go in t- to even do anything. But a friend of ours, a common friend of uh, this next guest, um, this guy Dino, who owns uh, Uncle Vinny's in Point Pleasant, introduced us. And I went down there on a Monday night just to see this guy's show on Sirius. And this guy gave me a break by letting me do his show probably for a year. And... Um, I was absolutely blown away, even though I knew this guy was like a ball breaker and he has, you know, I thought he was more sticky and stuff like that. Then I started doing this guy's show and I realized, oh my God, this guy knows way more about sports than anyone I have ever seen in my life. And I mean that he knows I'm not BSing him. I was like, he would know about like who the Chicago Blackhawks drafted seven years ago in the third round. And I'm like, I couldn't even name one Blackhawk player ever. So anyway, my next guest is the wonderful, the great, the Scott Farrell. What's up, Scotty? Jimmy Palumbo getting involved. Getting involved here. Bringing on Scotty onto my show, the podcast. I appreciate you coming on, man. I really, really do. So 
Hey, man, it's my pleasure, Jimmy. I'm in my new um, uh, Magic City Studios at the Pharrell Palacio. So I built um, studios uh, at my crib because, um, you know, I, you know, I do the show at Sports Grid now, the gambling network on TV and radio. And uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, I started doing it from home. And then one thing led to another and a year went by. And uh, here we are basically rounding the curve at, at the start of another year sure. since since COVID, right? So, like, I don't know, about six weeks ago, I started building it. And, uh, and I asked him one day, I said, do you care if I build a studio? If uh, I build it, I'll never go to New York City ever again to do anything. <laughs> sure. I said, do you want to cut that deal? And they actually fell for it. And uh, usually I only did Friday show in Manhattan at the garden. Uh, they have a studio in the Renaissance right across the street from the garden. I don't know if you know where rock and Riley's used to be that bar, but it was like a Nick Ranger. Hangout. Yeah. Yeah. I know where that is. And so the place was enormous. It had like five or six bars in it and a restaurant. And it was just filled with drunks and hussies. And it was just a great place to be. <laughs> and uh, everything was going on there illegal. Sex, prostitution, gambling, drugs. It was all happening. So go. anyway, they converted it into a, a TV studio in the middle of that restaurant. So the guy that owns our networks said, look, I'm going to buy this bubble and I'm going to buy your restaurant is what I'm going to do. Wow. And uh, I'm going to put a TV network in there. So on Fridays, they would have me go there and do shows in front of a packed house like before Knicks and Ranger games. And, um, I hated it because, uh, I had to drive to New York city. Just, I mean, it was no big deal, but I went every Friday to do the show, but I had to deal with, uh, uh, you know, parking and bridges and tolls and everything else. And then when I got done, uh, I was there, I had to wait four hours to do a, a radio show. So I had to go home and do a radio show. And it took like, um, you know, two hours just to get to the effing bridge right. uh, on a Friday. Uh, Friday's a brutal. So I said, listen, this really sucks. I go, well, what if I build a studio and I just never came there again and I just do the TV show from home and the radio show from home and, and it's not a big deal. Uh, I really want to, I really, we've never really actually talked. Um, so I'm, I'll be learning this for the first time. I know you went to Indiana University. Okay, so how did you get your start in doing radio, sports, and or whatever you want to, you know, you're in, in, in the media. How did you get your start, and what, what turned you on to it? So I wanted to go to Indiana because I wanted to be around Bobby Knight. Right. And my goal as a kid was two things. I wanted to be Howard Cosell. And uh, when the Wall Street Journal called me Howard Cosell of Generation X, I got a chub in my pants. Oh, absolutely. And that was in uh, 1995, September 5th. But before that, in 1980, I decided that uh, my best route to uh, becoming a sportscaster was to go to college where um, I could become a sportscaster by being around Bobby Knight. So wow. I got into Indiana, and I went to a party, and uh, a guy I knew was uh, taking me to the party, and he told me that this famous sportscaster in town that was a legendary local broadcaster in Bloomington, so there's like... A couple guys in the history of Indiana sports that are famous. One is Don Fisher. The other is Max Skirvin. The third okay. is a guy by the name of Joe Smith. 
So Joe is like the TV and radio icon of the community. And the other two are Indiana play-by-play and color guy. Dodd, Fisher, along with Max Skirma from Assembly Hall and blah, 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 blah. It's the Hoosiers <laughs> and Bonabankers in 30 on the Indiana University Basketball Network. And I used to say, wow, I got to be around these guys. So I went to a party where I heard Joe Smith was going to be there. And um, I went to it and I got him hammered. So I was, as you know, Jimmy, a professional drinker, even at the age of 18. And I got the guy just absolutely lit. And I got him all fired up. I kept telling him I was better than him at what he did for a living. I said, why don't you give me a chance? I'll show you what I can do. Uh, And once you put me on the air, you'll never take me off. It'll be that simple. It'll be a one-time thing. I'll do it one time and I'll get the job as sure as I'm sitting here. And they're all laughing at me, making fun of me, some 18-year-old kid. And the bottom line was, he said, all right, hot shot. Let's see what you can do. So he brought me in there on a Saturday, and he told me to do, like, these sports updates. One thing led to another, and I got the job in one day. And then I proceeded to do about 60 hours a week of radio uh, So you were college. covering you were covering Indiana football or basketball? Basketball. So when I started, when I started, they put me on the air doing sports. Which, by the way, back then was, I mean, Indiana's still big in basketball, but back then it would be like covering the, covering the Patriots during Tom Brady's era. I mean, they were. Right. This is, you're talking about the 76 Hoosiers, then the 81 Hoosiers. Right. Uh, They won with Isaiah Thomas, the national championship the day Reagan was shot. And they still won the game and beat Michigan in the national championship that night. The 76 team was undefeated. They have five national championships. So here I was. And you know, and, you, uh, know you know, who else was in the Final Four in 76 with Indiana, right? Uh, Rutgers? Yeah, here we go. The Scarlet Knights make their way out to the Jimmy Palumbo Show. Getting involved here from the Omni. So, I did. Um, I ended up doing like 60 hours a week in, in wow. college. On the air. But the difference was, Jimmy, was that it was not a, a college station. It was a real radio station. So I was getting paid. That's and, awesome. uh, so here I was in college getting paid. I was like making like, I think around 25 grand a year at the time uh, in college. That, that's like making $7 million a year now. <laughs> right. Like, so I was making money. And then one thing led to another. And I started overnight DJing and I was spinning records from midnight to six. It was a top 40 station, so they played, oh, wow. like, Madonna and stuff. And I was playing, like, Billy Idol, Led Zeppelin. I was breaking all the rules. I was getting in trouble. I played uh, ACDC. I did everything. Pink Floyd. I did not. I, I was taking chicks into the studio at night, locking the doors and getting laid right on the board. I did I not realize that you did weed. top. I did not realize you did top 40 radio. That's a, You learn things about Scott Farrell. I did. So, but then, uh, like about the sophomore year, I started doing. Uh, I had already been covering the basketball team, and I tennis. Um, it, back then, Indiana soccer, Jerry Egley, they won national championships. They're still really good in soccer. They just won the Big Ten championship. Uh, they're really good at soccer. So I hated soccer. I had nothing to do with soccer. I, I didn't even know what it was. I just knew someone was going to give me a microphone and let me do play by play. I was like, all right, let's go. And then they won every game they played. So they won titles. I was there. They won three of the four years I was so, there. They won the national. So your first play by play was soccer. I mean, basically, yeah. Wow. And so I, I started doing uh, covering Bob Knight. Then I was doing the Bob Knight show. And then, you know, Jimmy, by the time I was done five years later and, and uh, you know, I was an alcoholic by then, I actually <laughs> um, 
I actually was ahead of my time. You know what I mean? Like, so when I got out, CBS hired me and they put me in Pittsburgh at a, a like a, a 10, 10 wins KQV. It was give us 22 minutes. We'll put you to sleep. But it was all news all day, every day, seven days a week. Nothing but hard news and sports and weather. And I did just like 10, 10. And I, I did it and I did morning and afternoon drive and I covered the Penguins, Pirates, um, Penguins, Pirates uh, and Steelers and Pitt. Pit football and pit basketball, right? So I, uh, I would go pet, you know, Lemieux got drafted at Mario Lemieux and I got to go watch that guy uh, go straight to the Hall of Fame and then win Stanley Cups. So I, by the time I was 23 years old, I was a sports director at a, at a big CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh. And as they say, the rest is history. I went from there to Chicago. I started doing talk radio. When did you, went to, when did you make the switch after doing radio for, for a while? How did I end up with Howard? Well, you know, I had Howard's um, agent. We had the same agent. Oh, well, oh, we yeah, had the same boss, Mel right. Carmison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mel made me, right? Mel found me in San Francisco doing uh, Giants Warriors, legendary station. I was number one in San Francisco at night, and I was on TV, and I was nationally Sports Channel America. So everyone always saw me in big cities doing the show. I it was the first cast sports talk show ever in America on television nationally. And I, you know, I got made. And so Mel Carmison hired me. He said, I'm going to put you on WFAN New York. I'm going to put you in 200 cities. I'm going to put you on all the same stations as Howard Stern. Uh, he'll be on in mornings. You'll be on at night. And that's where it began. And then uh, all the years later, when Howard went, from CBS to Sirius, I was at CBS. I was doing morning drive on WNEW uh, up against him in mornings. I was getting like a, I was getting a one and a half share against Howard Stern. That's amazing because he kills everyone. Uh, he destroys yep. everyone in his path. He killed every single host ever. He was he just dominated, right? So uh, here I was doing well against him. I was still getting my ass beat, but I was doing well, and CBS knew I was good. And so when he went, uh, he asked me to go with him. And I mean, I got a boner. I was like, all right, uh, let's go. So I immediately uh, went with him and I started doing the show on Howard 101. And then he, you know, he'll claim, he'll always say he doesn't know anyone. He's never heard of me. Uh, He's, he had no clue who I was. That's all a lie. I mean, I had the same boss, the same stations, the same agent. Don Buckwald was my agent. Now, how in Christ could I be in the same room with him and he doesn't know who I am? So that's all bullshit. And the bottom line is, is that he just doesn't admit that, you know, he knows anybody in radio because he's so much better than everyone. He's 10,000 times better than me. And I look up to him. You know how much I think of him. I love Howard. I love, I love Beth. I'm friends with him. I, it was the greatest job I ever had. I adored it. It was very cool. And I had just the best time ever. It was like the best, uh, eight years of my life. Uh, I met you, uh, you did. I tell you, I went from my point of view. I, I just, so some of the listeners know I went in, it was about for a year. I went in every Monday night and I usually, I got there around nine. I let Scott do like an hour and do his thing. And I came in around nine o'clock and I remember, <laughs> I remember I didn't, I did not realize what doing a national sports talk show is. You, you can't just know about the Yankees and Mets. You got to know. And he knows about, uh, Scotty knows about MMA. 
and all these sports that not, sports that aren't even sports yet. He knew about them. So right. the, the only thing I knew was I knew like hockey. I knew Ron Duguay on the Rangers. <laughs> Anytime Scott talked hockey, I would just say, you know, he's like a young Ron Duguay. And he would laugh at stupid stuff like that. And I would talk a lot about Rutgers football. But at the time, Rutgers actually wasn't that bad in football. It was Seattle's first run. So, like, they were winning a little bit. So, my, I would make jokes about, you know, Rutgers can play in the SEC and stuff like that. But at the time, they almost could have, you know what I mean? So, I had a lot. I was like the Rutgers guy, which I've I've been doing ever since whenever I do radio. But you were very kind to me. We, uh, we hit it off. I really learned what it is that you do, uh, uh, a sports like, you know, uh, you know, as guys like, you know, Francesa and Russo and Scott Farrell and all these great sports guys, um, what they do on a nightly basis, you guys, people, you don't realize how hard it is. You, uh, you have to know you, you, nothing. You didn't, you knew every sports story. What, if it was golf and Tiger Woods uh, twisted right. his ankle, he knew about it. And I, I really came to respect what you do. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hard grind to do it every night and be funny. Um, you know, you, um, actually, so here's how I saw it, right? Like I remember it differently. Uh, it was, it was definitely what you said. It was exactly that. But, uh, from the, from my end of it, from my perspective of it, I knew that, uh, like Jimmy had a lot of talent and I thought he was really funny and he was really a Weisenheimer. And I knew that he was really good friends with Artie and I knew that, <laughs> He did a movie with him. Uh, beer League. Yeah, Beer League was getting ready to come out. No, Beer League had just come out, I think. It, uh, it had already been out. Right. And so all I know is I was like, this guy's got something special. And he's really uh, like a, a New Yorker, a real Jersey guy, a real attitude guy. He was, uh, you know, he was more than an actor to me. He was a comic. He knew his, uh, he knew his sports locally. He was like a a real, uh, you know, mouth for like New Yorkers. And he had this attitude about Rutgers and we used to make fun of him because we <laughs> thought Rutgers blew and everything. And uh, he was all excited about winning like two or three football games. And we were like excited about winning, you know, two or 300 bets a week. We didn't care about anything else except gambling and drinking. And all I know is uh jimmy used to do the show and he was very funny and one of his lines the getting involved ended up uh sticking with me yes you know uh all these years later like fast forward from and it came then, from it I came from marv albert marv what year was it that you did the show with me about it was 2007 or eight remember that the line getting involved came from uh Marv Albert, the Knicks were right. up. Knicks would be up by like nineteen, and then Kenny the Animal Bannister would come in and get a layup. And you know when you're just like four minutes ago, your team's way up. He would just go, Kenny the Animal Bannister getting involved here at the four hundred one mark. Right. So we used to always just giggle. Getting involved that meant like that meant like you're getting involved, but you're really not part of the big thing, you know. Right. So so but but Jimmy uh, Jimmy knew that like I was friends with Marv. I was friends with. Uh, Kenny, I was friends with Steve. I did uh, Battle Dome on Columbia TriStar in LA for three years in 300 markets uh, in syndication. It was like American Gladiators. It was violence, and there was all these people trying to kill each other. And I was the guy. I was the guy in the soccer jersey with the sunglasses on that Justin Bateman would later play in the movie Dodgeball. Uh, he was he was being me because I did it with Steve Albert, and Steve would call these violent escapades with such precision, and we were always involved. And then 
So one thing led to another and uh, Jimmy was, was really funny. And so the best part of the gig, believe it or not for me was, and I don't think you'll ever, you'll ever guess that this is what it was. My favorite part of knowing Jimmy Palumbo was not doing the show, actually. I thought he was great doing the show. If I didn't think he was great, he would have never gotten called back. <laughs> he would have never done it for a year every Monday. It was the drive home. home well, listen, first of all, show. first of all, hang on a second. If, if any fans out there have ever listened to Scott Farrell, that's one thing, okay? And he is just how he is now on the air. So he's not, he's not a guy with a full, full shtick, okay? But if you really want to someday, and it should be a reality show, it should be called Driving Back from New York City Back to Bergen County with Scott Farrell because he there's a stretch on Route 17 where we live where there's cops on a Monday night just hanging out waiting for you to go over 55 miles an hour to pull you over. And we'd be in the car ride. And I think we got pulled over once. And there'd be he would be screaming at the cops without you know inside the car going there they are there they are there they are it was, that was and we would bust balls in there and learn about what it, what was going on in each other's lives um uh, so funny so funny you're nuts that was the driving. best part like so we would drive home and it takes about uh 40 50 minutes right. and um all i remember was it was really funny and i i remember at the time i was like Trying to get Jimmy in with like these bosses at Sirius so that they would hire him and understand how talented he was. Like I knew that uh, Jimmy over the years is, you know, he's done a great job uh, as an actor uh, hustling, like, you know, busting his ass and, and auditioning and getting, you know, that is hundreds true. <laughs> of roles uh, in different TV shows and movies. And I've always admired that about uh, Jimmy, that he basically hustled his way uh, into Hollywood. He's, <laughs> you know, I've done a couple movies. I've done a couple shows. I've done a few CSI Miamis. I've been on uh, this. I've been on that. I've been invited to do this show, that show. I did Big Fan uh, with Pat Oswald and Mike Rappaport. I did Red Belt with Tim Allen and Emily Mortimer, Joe Montana. But I suck. I'm not an actor, okay? So I'm not an actor. So I used to go audition for these gigs. Uh, I always thought I could do animation with my voice as a scary monster, and no one seemed to catch up with that because most of the people, it's, it's closed. Hollywood is closed. It's for, their, it's for them only. What do you mean, you people? Nobody, nobody from the outside gets in. If you watch the Oscars every year and watch them all get really old and die, it's because they're the only ones they want there. They don't want any outsiders. Meanwhile, Jimmy uh, got on uh, the inside with his foot. He got his foot in their ass somehow. I got my toe and, and in Jimmy there. Jimmy does all these shows. So that's what I liked about Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy used to come to parties at my house and see all my stern friends and all my alcoholic and drug addict friends show up and just. <laughs> and of course, like your hot animals. wife. Of course, your hot and wife. It, but you had, you had, at the time, you had not been married and you had not been a father. I knew you before all of that. Yeah. I knew you right before you got married. Correct. And then I saw you get married. And then I saw you have your daughter. And then I saw you become a great dad. So I knew you when you were a savage and a predator. <laughs> so listen, let's let's talk about, so I want to talk about what you got going on right now and where everybody can get it and everything else. Right, so I left CBS after eight years. I went back to CBS. So I was with Howard for... Uh, like the first seven years or whatever. And then I got offered a chance to go back and do uh, CBS Sports Radio, a new national network they were starting. And they offered me a great deal. And the reason I did it, Jimmy, was um, I felt the writing was on the wall at Howard that, um, like, I'm fairly clever. I'm not smart, but I'm clever. 
I've been in the business 38 years and I know uh-huh. when I see the writing on the wall that things were changing. I sensed that he was going to turn the channels into uh, all about him, which I would have done too. Why do one hour <laughs> certainly would shows about Jackie or about midgets or about, uh, you know, King of All Blacks or about Beetlejuice and about Julie. Those were the greatest shows ever. I loved them. Uh, Miserable Men, great shows. But I knew that Howard built those channels to be about Howard. And, and I knew they were going to make him about Howard more in the future. And sure enough, uh, believe it or not, I was right. Because if you look at it today, it's, oh, it's 100% pure all about Howard. There's no other BS on there. No. And so plus, plus he's 65, he's 65 years Howard. old now. He's not a 25-year-old dish job. So, so they said to me one day, why don't you go to lunch with Chris Russo and, and talk to him? And I knew that meant uh, they're going to move me to another channel. So I went to lunch with Russo, and we never got along uh, at the fan. I beat his ass because I'm, I'm, I'm 6'4", 220, Jimmy. I will beat his skinny ass into the ground. So, I, But when I was at Sirius, we became friends because he knew I worked for Howard. And once you work for Howard, you, you get a whole new respect level from a guy like Russo because Russo understands at, at, at Sirius, Howard's the man, and, and Chris is powerful there, but he's – Basically, Howard's bitch, okay, because <laughs> everyone there is. And so we got along great, and then we, we, we got along fine at lunch and everything else, and I sensed they were trying to move me. And once they started that game with me, and then I talked to Buckwall, and he's like, you might want to consider moving channels. Then I knew they were going to fire me right. or move me. So I called my old boss at CBS, and I said, what's going on? And he said, uh, we're starting this network. Can you keep your mouth shut? I said, I doubt it. But uh, <laughs> I said, what, what do you want me to keep my mouth shut about? And he told me about the network and he said he would give me 10 to two. And he would, and really what I was after Jimmy was a, uh, a deal where I could get my hands on my pension again. So I worked at CBS for 20 years, Jimmy. And then if I got another deal with him, that would be, let's say I, I went on an eight year run with him. Now I got 28 years of that pension. So the bottom line is I did it for the money. Uh, here's the deal. When I'm done and I retire in, in nine or 10 years from now, which I'm going to do, I'm not going to keep doing this till I'm 80 like uh, everybody else. I don't know. Bro. I, I want to go to the Caribbean and smoke weed and bang bitches. And so <laughs> here's the deal. I, I got, I did it for the money. And then I got a pension now for life nice. because I've accrued so many years with CBS. Sure. So I did it. I was never really uh, miserable there or anything like that. I wasn't unhappy. I did the show. I never thought the show mattered to me because I wasn't on the fan. So they would air me in 300 cities, but I wasn't on in New York. I'm paying taxes. I'm driving in. I spent 20 grand a year driving uh, bridges and tolls like I used to with you. And I'm not on here and no one can hear me. That sucks. I hated it. So uh, after eight years, they offered me a pay cut because Entercom bought uh, CBS and Losercom said to me, we want to give you a 20% pay cut. And I said, well, here's, uh, here's the plan. How about F you? Uh, I'm not signing that deal. So, you know, uh, how does, you know, blow me sound? I'm not going to do it. And they said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm not going to do that, but I can guarantee you I'm going to do something. One thing led to another. I made a couple phone calls and uh, yeah, I got a lot of friends <laughs> and uh, powerful people. And I knew Sports Grid was doing. This is Sports Grid. And. Sports Grid Network is 24-7 sports betting network, and it's all streaming television and uh, national radio. So I went to the owner. He's a a Wall Street guy, a powerful 
very rich guy that owns the network. And he's, you know, he's like Ted Turner to me, uh, you know, where I was looking at this powerful rich dude that owns everything. And I said, how would you like to steal me from CBS? And he said, well, what would it take? And I pushed a number at him and he said, done. And in 10 minutes, the guy offered me the job. And then he offered mafia and Carver high the job. He doubled all of our salaries and we quit. All of us quit together. And, uh, CBS didn't like it. They, you know, blamed me, called me all kinds of names. I'm this, I'm that. But what I really did was I didn't take their crappy deal. I was the first person to just walk right out the door and say, screw this. Sure enough. And did you, uh, did true, you, Jimmy, I swear to God, my you, mother's grave. They, I'm but, sorry. They, what they did was they, they proceeded to, in the COVID, give people another 20% pay cut. And then everyone else got fired. So if I would have taken their 20% pay cut and then six months later, the COVID hit and I got a 20% uh, additional, that's 40% plus 10% to my, listen to this, 10% to my agent and 37% to the feds. Now I'm paying you to work. The, uh, I'm paying you to do did, the show. So did I you, left did you keep your pension? money and I did it for the money, Jimmy. I'm a greedy mother for You know that I did it for the money. And then I went to a place that allows me to talk about sports betting. My entire shows, I do a TV show at 4 to 6. I do a radio show at 10 to midnight, both national. And they can and get this. How do, how do no my rules. listeners get this? It's at sportsgrid.com or is it on? Well, what? you can get the SportsGrid app. Okay, SportsGrid app. The, you can watch the TV show on the SportsGrid app. Or you can just watch Sling, Roku, Zumo, Stir, Plex. Of uh, Amazon Fire, okay. we're on every streaming service. So it's all the streaming services. Yeah, like, and we're on Samsung TVs, Vizio TVs. If you okay. turn on a Samsung TV and you hit search, you'll you put it in Sports Grid, it'll come right on. So, okay, and then the radio show, that. the radio show is on uh, Sirius XM channel two hundred four. The TV show is also on Sirius XM two hundred four. So both shows are on Sirius. What's great about it is Jimmy is that I've come full circle. When you leave Sirius, you become a pariah. If you've noticed. They've never hired anyone back in their history that ever left the company. When I left Howard to go back to CBS, I was a pariah. So fast forward 10 years, uh, they cut a deal with SportsGrid. We have our own channel, 204, and I'm the headliner on it. And there's a lot of great talent that I work with. Everybody's really cool. But Sirius, I'm the only one they knew. Uh, I'm the one they wanted. And no offense to anyone else. They're all great talents. But Sirius knew me, Greenstein, all these people, Steve Cohen, uh, Eric Spitz. They all know me, and they wanted me, and they got me. Now I'm on every day live, twice a day, 4 to 6, and 10 to midnight on Sirius. And so now everyone here where we live, Jimmy, can hear me. And I went eight years without anyone ever hearing me. I was at a game one day in my kid's game, and a guy goes, hey, whatever happened to your radio show? I go, I don't do it anymore. I sell heroin to kids. (laughs) You're terrible. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on. It was so good to touch base. Uh, you can catch Scotty on Sports Grid, also Channel 204, Sirius XM. He's all over the place now. He's getting involved here with gambling getting and involved. sports. And Pharrell wants to talk it over here. Um, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I got to get on your show one of these days. Come down here and bust your listen, balls. Listen, I guarantee it. Uh, we'll get you on for sure. I've already told them to get you on. Uh, we still, I still, and everyone on my show still says getting involved <laughs> regularly. Uh, and we always think of you. I'm so happy for you. Everything you've accomplished, your acting career is blown up. Every time I see you in a show or a movie, I uh, erupt in a <laughs> movie theater, on television, in the house. 
I'll stop <laughs> everything I'm doing. I, I freeze the show on TV at home. I let everyone in the room know who you are because my kids have no clue who you are. And I have like, to, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to change loser. that. I got, I got one quick thing. It's gotta be quick. What do you think the Knicks are going to win a round in the playoffs? I do. I think they're great. Scotty, got to get involved here. A best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, they mean business. I think Tibbs has done a great job. I've waited 20 years for Me this, too. Jimmy. Uh, we've been suffering for 20 years. You know, I love basketball. I play basketball every day of my life, seven days a week. And I never stopped playing. And I love the Knicks. And uh, to see them finally win is great. It's better than sex. So I great. hope they win. I hope they win uh, in the playoffs. It would be great. I, I'm just glad they're good again. I think Me it's too. fantastic. Me too. All right, man. Listen, Scott Farrell on Sports Grid and Sirius XM hey, Channel 204. Thing. Your boy, um, Harper Jr., I played ball with him uh, before when he played at Bosco. Oh, really? I used to play ball with him. He turned into a real man. That kid is a beast. I hope, he, stud. I hope he ends up back at RU. Basketball program. If he doesn't get drafted right, he could still come back to our Rutgers. I'm hoping we get him. And my boy, way. Mike Woodson, is running Indiana hoops there now. So go. that's a Nick coach. And Rutgers is good in hoops, and they're going to be better in football, so we're going to have some battles coming up in the next few years. Hey, and Rutgers is great at everything. Even that they still lead the conference in murder rate. I mean, it's just fantastic. <laughs> Stop. Stop, stop bashing my is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Good to see you, Scotty. Thank you so much. Jimmy, I love you. All the best, man. Congrats on the podcast. You're a badass. <laughs> you know, as I get older, I tend to appreciate different things. One thing I love now more than I ever have in the past is some unique furniture. Not just any furniture, unique custom furniture made by Battle Rattle Woodworks. He's specialing in charcuterie boards for all those parties you're about to host when this weather gets a little nicer. Even better, if you enter the code CHOP15 at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your entire purchase. Massive savings on some unique American-made stuff. Help support your local veteran right now and visit him on social media at Battle Rattle Woodworks. All right, Scotty Farrell coming on the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That was a treat indeed. Um, I think he actually did something that no one's done seven, eight episodes in. He actually out-talked Jimmy Palumbo. <laughs> I admit it. I came into the bout. I feel like Tyson in one of those later bouts. I didn't train. I flew back from uh, from from Japan to be with a girl, and I got in the ring with Scott Farrell, and I got I got blasted. Uh, Scotty Farrell was great. Please tune in, check him out on Sports Grid and uh, Sirius XM. Old good buddy of mine, and I'm glad I uh, reconnected with him. Um, so that's it. Of course, today when I'm done here now, I'm, I'm going to actually go, I'm giving a shout-out to my pickleball gang up in Ramsey, New Jersey. They're actually listeners of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. I started playing pickleball in the fall. It's uh, it's an old man's game for sure, but the minute you think you're you're young and spry, uh, a plastic ball gets hit right in your face by a 65 year old woman who uh, can't run at all. But you hit the ball to her, she smacks it back at you. Uh, the other day I played and I whacked one. I hit a girl, I hit this woman in the chest. I felt so guilty, but I was like, she just won like nine points in a row. Part of me was like, you know what? You win nine points in a row against me, you got to get hit. That's how it works. But uh, my buddy Dave DeLisi, who's my partner in crime in Ramsey, New Jersey, me and him go down there and we play. It's a great group. It's a fun game. Takes, anybody who doesn't know what pickleball is, 
it takes place in a half of a tennis court. So you take a tennis court, cut it in half, put the little uh, net in front. You play with like a wiffle ball that has like 12 holes in it and a paddle. That's either fiberglass or wood you could use. doesn't matter what you use. And it's all about dinking the ball around. And um, it looks, the game is so easy. It's, it's like It's like golf in many ways. It's easy to like play golf. But it's hard to be really good at it. You know what I mean? So pickleball, if you if you play any kind of racket sport or baseball, you get on the court, you're already okay at it. And then you go in and you play against someone who plays pickleball and you realize he they angle balls, they, they, they hit it hard when they have to, they hit it soft. That's the part I suck at. They call it a dink. Um, it's the dink where you're like, I can't do this. I'm always in the wrong. You get these older people, they don't break a sweat. I'm sweating like a pig and I'm getting my ass beat. So, um, but every now and then I go on a roll and I smack the ball around. I play pretty good. But the harder you hit it, the faster it comes back in your face. It's so awful. It's a frustrating game. You, 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 like I'm getting better, but not really. I think I was just as good the first day I played, you know. But uh, you got to wait for courts. It's like a new popular thing. Um, but I always giggle because people want to put lights up and build more courts. However, there's houses about 40 yards away. Could you imagine buying a house in Ramsey? It probably costs you six, seven hundred thousand dollars. You're paying fifteen grand a year, and all night you hear. That would drive me insane. So it drove me insane. Just listening, I'm telling you right now, it's like it's like you know what it'd be like. It would be like if you had to sleep. In a cot next to a ping pong table all day. Like, you work nights and hey, you mind if, just sleep right here. Where is it? Oh, we're having an international ping pong tournament. Just go to bed here. That ganipganopping back and forth. I can't believe I just said ganipganop, um, which I didn't realize was ping pong backwards. She's ganipping while he's ganopping. If you remember that commercial, send me a dollar. The, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's just the noise of that thing. And people are like, oh, build more courts. I'm like, the only way you can build more pickleball courts is if you go to like Iowa and go in the middle of the, literally like build it and they will come. And there's, so the days of building a baseball field and they will come, that's over. It's going to be pickle because the noise that I plastic, it even annoys me while I'm playing. I'm <laughs> like, I wish, I wish this game was great with the sound off. <laughs> I don't want to hear. Oh my God, it's so annoying. Anyway, that's my pickleball gang and Ramsey. Hope to see you guys soon. And uh, shout out to Karen and Desmond. Desmond's the best player there, but I like challenging him even though I lose all the time. Anyway, all right. And uh, Jan and Linda and there's like four Johns there and all that different. And Julie and they know about the paddles and everybody knows about how to play and they change the rules every year. But it's a fun game. And when you get older and you can't move, that's what you got to do. But um, anyway, that's it. All right, Pickleball. That wraps up our show here, show number eight of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. And we will see you next week with a very special guest. And then I say special guest all the time. So the question is, if you're gambling at home, do I have a guest have a guest I think I do have a guest All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening.